Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay, and then it's a pleasure for me to introduce uh, Amanda Leroux. She uh, came from Malawi via um, Stannerton. <laughs> and um, yeah, she, she's just shared with us yesterday about prayer and really just encouraged us to, to have a heart of prayer, and she's a real prayer warrior, has been for decades, and uh, been serving the Lord for, for long, and uh, she's just going to come and share with us and encourage us, and uh, Amanda, we look forward to hear what the Lord has to say to us through you, and uh, yeah, we open up our hearts to receive what um, the message you have, so let's, let's just uh, welcome her. Thank you, Amanda. Hallelujah. I just got five minutes extra. I am a daughter of Africa. We don't preach 35 minutes. People come 700 kilometers for a conference. You can't preach 35 minutes to them. They come for word. <laughs> they come for empowerment. Hallelujah. Family of God, it's so wonderful to be with you. And... I want to tell you something. I just fell in love with this family this morning. You know, I travel a lot in different nations, and I stay in many homes. It's not often that you come into a house, a leader's house, and there's just peace, and there's presence. And you can actually sleep. You don't need to war. And Pastor Henny, in Russell, thank you for being real. I've really touched because I know the brokenness in leaders' homes because I don't know where to go. They don't know who they can trust when they struggle. And last night I was listening to Pastor Henny playing on the guitar, leading his family in worship. And I thought, what a delightful experience. And what a, you know, to find peace. In a leader's house, you need to know, family, that these guys pay a huge price. They are number one target. Satan comes for them in many ways. And I want to honor you for being real. Really, I pray that God surround you with his favor as a shield. And that you will experience in the season you are in how the Lord will just fight for you and open up doors wide and bring the resources and everything to fulfill the mandate of this family. I really pray that from my heart. And I want to thank you for wonderful worship. Worship is the highest form of warfare. While we worship, the angels are fighting on our behalf. They deal with things that you don't, will never know. Maybe one day in heaven. But I'm not sure because I think we will just want to worship. We don't even want to hear about how the angels fought for us and what wars were going on because we made it and we are finally in that place of 24-7 worship. Hallelujah. So just stretch yourself into Jesus. Just lift your arms at Jesus. I am stretching into you. I'm stretching into your love in a new dimension, Lord. I'm stretching into my heavenly family. I'm so blessed to be part of a real, eternal, loving family. And today, Lord, just pour out what you have for us. Use the broken vessel, that cracked pot, Lord, with many flaws, but let your light just shine today. Let your spirit work in my heart, Lord. I am here, I am here. I am here for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it's so interesting that I put on this thing called a timer. Because I am I'm called Mama Africa for a reason. <laughs> And um, I love it to be in Malawi. It's my family. God called me 
to Malawi, he gave me this calling as a little girl. I heard his voice when I told the intercessors yesterday. Um, I read about prayer in the Huisgenoot as a 12-year-old girl. And um, it was an article of Andrew Murray. And he spoke about prayer and evangelism in this article, okay? And as a, as, a, as a young girl, I read how God's heart is for us to go, to preach the gospel, but also to go to the farthest corners of the earth. And that is a nation for each one of us, that God will break your heart for that nation. And I told them, I took the encyclopedias for those who are in my age group. You will, you will re- remember that green uh, uh, volume of 12, I think, encyclopedias. And I started to read about all the nations. And when I came to Malawi, something hit my heart. And as a young girl, I started to pray, if you want to send me anywhere, God, send you to Malawi. And he sent me to Europe and to Indonesia. And I had ministry um, opportunities and invites come. Florida, Inglewood, come and establish a women's ministry here. Manakwari, the Love Papa Center. Suzette Hattang wanted me there. And no one of those places spoke to my heart. But the day I've put my feet in Malawi, Seven, eight years back, I knew I hit home. And this family, this part of God's family, is where I belong. And it's so easy and it's so natural, not without resistance. But the family in Malawi, it's easy for me to minister to them. And just to flow. And the beautiful thing about finding your place in the family of God because he made us one big family, is that when the alignment happens, many other things come in alignment. For example, my husband. My husband always is a very, very, um, he's a lovely man, a very stable man, solid. He raised sons and, and solid sons, but he was never interested in the ministry. He would pray for me, he would release me, he would even fund me, but please. And I said to him in the beginning of the year, love, I really need you. There's things you can do that I cannot do. And God provided and he joined me. And since then, his heart is sold out to, to my ministry that God has called me in. And it's like a flow. And this is the family of God. Each one of us fit into a specific place and a space. And like I feel so at home here. So if I could be part of a family in South Africa, I would really choose this family because I feel at home. And there's many places that I really love, but I feel at home here. Now, I'm going to speak about family today because this is what God has laid on my heart. He gave me two messages. I think the other one is for tonight. But faithfulness empowers the next generation. This is what I'm going to speak about. And we are Women's Month, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the word of God as a son of God, okay? Don't see me as a woman. This morning, I'm, in the, I'm standing before you as a son, and I'm going to share something that lives in my heart. And I want to establish a truth in you, and I trust that God will take this truth, and he will just start to multiply it and activate it, and we will see the fruit of this word. Faithfulness empowers the next generation. God is a generational God. His eyes are on the next generation. And he's looking unto us to see what we are doing to mentor, to disciple the generation that he gave unto us. So I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a, I'm a grandmother of five young, four young girls and a, a four-month-old boy. And God is looking unto us as mothers and grandmothers as fathers and grandfathers, but I'm going to speak about the mothers and grandmothers today because it's Women's Month. 
He's looking unto us. His eye is on us to see what we do to raise a godly, God-fearing, God-focused, righteous next generation. He's looking unto us how we mentor, how we disciple that little soul right into the kingdom and, and prepare that soul to walk with a kingdom mindset, a mind that's totally discipled to think like Christ and to be on this earth like Jesus. Because we, we know in 1 John 4, um, 17b, the word says, as he is, so are we in this world. And it's love that actually prepares us to be that. How we reveal the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the Holy Spirit to them because we walk in the eternal, we are called to walk in the eternal, everlasting love of the Trinity poured out in us by Holy Spirit. And this should be the driving force that drives us, that encourages us, that gives us courage to do what Jesus Christ has called us to do. It's also the force that will help us to stay focused on the goal. Because many, many, many naysayers will come on your path, especially when you receive a difficult assignment, a dangerous maybe even assignment, and people will come and say, but don't you know what's going on there? There's rights now. You know, this, the nation is not stable. Um, how can you go to the Ukraine now? How can you go to whatever place? But the love of the Father poured out in us by Holy Spirit will empower you to keep to the course, to keep your eyes focused on the goal. Now, the, the, the God of the universe, the Father of the universe, the Ancient of Days, his eyes are on his sons and his daughters to see how we, um, how we disciple a, a youngster from, from birth into becoming a love vessel for God, into becoming a faithful child of God, into becoming a two-year-old, a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old that stand bold for God and that can say, I have the answer. I'm sick, I have the answer. So I had the privilege to to mentor my oldest um, granddaughter because I lived near me from conception up to today. And at the age of four, Omar Winnie, who is also a spiritual child of God, a lover of the Lord, um, she, had to, uh, she fell ill. And Zal, four years old, they normally stay with them, both of us as grandparents stay in Stanerton. And, and she heard Omar say, that she's ill. And Anzal said, I've got the answer. She said, what's the answer? I can pray for you. So she took her to Oma's room, bedroom, because she always see them kneel there. And she said to her, sit. And she prayed for Oma, four years old, and she healed. And it's such, such a precious um, I want to say landmark in us as a family to see, and, and, and uh, it's, a, it's really like a miracle to see that in the age where we live, where everything is available. You can just put on that TV, you are tired of them, and put them in front of a, if, of a cartoon or something that will lead them to hell while you rest. Instead of reschedule my program so that I can have quality time with the next generation, learning them, teaching them the truth of the word of God, raising up giants in faith, the next David, the next Daniel. But actually, what God spoke to me, and he said to me, Amanda, you need to raise up children as I am so they are in this world. So they understand their true identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So I've been working in this village and I actually sent you two photos via WhatsApp. I don't know if it's possible just to show them. It's, it's um, the child, mother, and send it. I want to show you what's happening in the world. And, and we need to understand, even before I talk to you and share scripture, that Satan has an agenda for the next generation. And he will use technology to get what he wants. YouTube on, on, on cell phones, on iPads, and it's so easy. And we think it is smart if a one-year-old knows how to use a, a smartphone. But know one thing. Timothy was mentored by his grandmother and his mother to become what the, the, the son of God that he ended up. They mentored him. They did not teach him. And we will read about it. They did not teach him the culture that came from. They taught him the word of God. So I, I, I work with the poorest of poorest of poor. And in a way, it's such a privilege because they are untouched by technology. There's no electricity. They are so poor, nearly nobody. The senior chief has a cell phone. And the senior group leader has a cell phone. The remaining of the village, they don't know that technology. In fact, I told um, Rochelle or Pastor Henny that they have never seen themselves because there's no mirrors. There's nothing in the homes. So just for fun, I took photos and then I showed them. And they would ask each other, where am I? Because they never saw themselves. And then they would see how they look and they would burst out in love and come again and look. Is this how I look? And in a way, I count that a blessing because the gospel is entering that village. And they will have Bibles as mirrors to see who God made them to be. And we need to really open our hearts to the Lord. I minister to a lot of mamas with in church, spiritual mamas whose children manifest because of the influence of technology on their lives. And you will be shocked when you hear what children tell you. This one uh, youngster that refused to talk when he's in school and at therapy classes. Um, my, my, my cousin broke, was bound the strong man that's binding him from speaking. And he started to speak, and he said to her, um, he drew the, the figures that, that's binding him. He could see them in the spirit. And, he, and she asked him, what are they doing? And he said to them, they put poison in here. This is the base of the brain. I don't know all that words. There's like a diamond figure here. And he, and he drew it, and he put poison in, and what caused me not to speak. And then she asked him, how did it come into you? How did you make friends with him? And he told her, the, the Superman figure who actually, through whom the gate was opened. I'm not talking about heathens. I'm not talking about unsaved. I'm talking about saved people, children. And we really need to come to a place where God uh, understanding that God wants us to be faithful in discipling the next generation into the ways of God. So, um, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 3 to 4. And he spoke the, the following words. He said, I thank God whom I worship and serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, and as I recall your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. 
So Paul is reaching out to Timothy and, and he's sharing his heart. And in verse 5 he says, I remember your sincere, genuine, unqualified faith. The surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom, goodness, a faith which first lived in the heart of your grandmother, Louise, and your mother, Eunice. And I am confident that it is in you as well. Speaking about a mama and a grandmama, being faithful. And when we study the, the, uh, the history, the bit that I could find about Louise and Eunice, you will see they had pagan husbands. Their husbands did not serve God. And Paul is commending the mama and the grandma for what they did in Timothy's life. And he is reminding Timothy of the influence they had on his life. And where he learned about the confident trust in, in the power of Christ, in the wisdom, in the goodness. And where he received this measure of faith. Now, this is the village. I want to show you what is happening when there is no mentoring in discipleship in children's lives. So you can see this little girl in the front as a baby hanging onto her. In the back, there's another one that I want you to, sh to, to um, just put up the girl with a baby. They come to school like this. The effect of absent discipleship causes a lot of abominations in a nation, and it can become a culture, like child brides is a culture in certain parts of Malawi, where the chiefs allow it as a law, and it's, it's, it's okay to have a little girl as a bride. And I'm working in a different um, uh, villages, and there is so many children of that age and younger, literally hundreds of them. In the one village we work with 106 orphans. That's only the orphans. That's not all the children that's absolutely under the bread line. In the village Malami, where, I, where I'm busy building that Ketak center, there's 106 orphans. And God is calling the church back to a place where we will become faithful so that more Timothys can be sent into this world that walk strong in faith, that's courageous and know what to do, what must happen. But it starts here. So children are teaching children. They come every day to that school with no teachers. And a bigger boy learned him the songs that he has learned, I don't know where. But in real life, I find the same ignorance on a, in a different dimension, where children in Christian homes teach each other stuff they found on YouTube. Without parental guidance, without discipleship, our Children are perishing. Africa is a friend of mine in Klope. He was very involved in the, 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 the youngsters that died in that tavern. And he wrote something. He said there is um, territorial spirits around the tavern. And I wrote to him, I said, Africa, the place is a gateway for evil. What and why would children go at the age of 14, 15, 16 to a tavern? Where is the parents that need to disciple? And the faithfulness of a mother and a grandmother became so 
beautiful to God that he would mention it in, a, in the word of God. He noted it down, down for us to learn from them. I'm finished. Oh, okay. Exclame it off this. What is sincere or genuine faith? What is it that God wants us to deposit in the next generation? From birth, we speak the truth into them. We mentor them. Genuine faith is fixed on Jesus Christ alone as Savior. John 14, 6 says, Jesus stated, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So the first line of faith, this is now after salvation, okay, is genuinely to fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ and what he did as Savior, as deliverer, as restorer, as the one who healed the brokenhearted, as the one who came to bind us back into one healed vessel before God. Genuine faith is not about putting one's trust in our own efforts in order to save ourselves. Rather, it trust, the trust lies in the grace of God through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we need to teach it to those as young as possible, as soon as possible. Paul in Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 wrote, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. This is why we are where we are. But the faith should not stop at my saving grace. Now I should apply the faith to grow into a strong child of God that will be faithful to raise up the next generation, to impart in them the truth of God and not bring into church and into children's church and into our homes a mixture of the world and the word. And I'm sorry, I don't know why God is going this way. But God wants us to know, as Pastor Dean said yesterday, we base our ministry on love, truth, and... And if we base it on love, then the Bible should become the ultimate source from where we teach. I don't need anything like Narnia or any other source to teach my grandkids about Jesus. All I need is the word of God. And if we establish them faithfully in the word of God, the word is the truth, the word is light, the word is life we will see a change in the next generation. I read um, stats and about 25% of young people are serving God. And they asked them, why are you coming to church? And they found that that 25% that's not falling away, that's no longer lovers of the house of God, the body that's coming together. The 25 are the 25 percent that were mentored and discipled from very small. I listened to how Pastor Henny spoke to his children last night, and I thought, "Oh my Lord, can we clone this? Is it possible? Can we just put this in every house?" I've been in. In, in the village, and I've got somebody that's helping me with a certain part of the, of the project. And um, this person came to Malawi with a different mindset. And a little girl followed us with a bunch of bananas. And this is all that she's got in her mind. If she can sell, I'm sure, this bunch of bananas, maybe she can buy a little bit of msima. And tonight they can have um, pup. We don't know. And she followed us. And the next moment, he turned around and he lashed out on that girl. 
I'm my heart, I'm talking about the spiritual child of God. I'm not talking about somebody that doesn't don't know Jesus. And her face, I wanted to fall in that dusty road and cry my heart out. I couldn't believe it. And I just looked on him and I said, my friend, we are here to be Jesus to everyone on that little poor, impoverished, not knowing the word of God, children that we will meet. And if this is the picture of Jesus that we portray to our children, shouting on them, screaming on them, I'm not sure if they will receive that Jesus. When we come with the word and we preach that word, will they receive Jesus? Because now Jesus will be a shouting, screaming God. While he is a loving, caring, embracing, filled with mercy and compassion and full of grace, God. With a love that we cannot explain. Why would he even love me after I've done this? Why would his arms even be open after I've done that? Running back to him. And being faithful like Eloise and Eunice, I think if we understand the heart, when they received Jesus, when they received the truth of the word of God and how it changed them to raise up a Timothy. And later on in the word, the, the word of God says that they taught him the word scripture. They based their discipleship not on a fable, not on a fiction, not on other stories, but the word of God. And they established him in the truth of the word. And Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says to him, stir up that faith, fan that flame. Timothy, don't forget who raised you up. Timothy, don't forget where your faith comes from. Your grandmother and your mother has imparted it to you. And God is asking us to father the fatherless in our community. To take those little ones who doesn't have a father or even a mother in our community, right around us, and start to father them and mother them and disciple them and bring them into the kingdom. Let them understand what love is. Let them understand what the truth is. Let them walk in the freedom of the word of God so that they can become courageous like Timothy. And I'm not sure why God gave this word to me this morning. But I want to tell you that the church needs to become relevant in what we do in our homes first line. I minister to the church. And so many times, um, a, a woman told me the other day, it's the easiest out, outcome because I can't cope. I just cannot cope, so I, I put the TV on. And I forgot to mentor to monitor. I'm talking about the beautiful daughter of God. That's really, I know she loves God. But the family is important to God. So we need to run to our leaders and say, I don't cope. How can I handle this situation? And not take the easiest way out. If I have marital struggles, if I I'm struggling in the relationship with my wife or my husband, come run to the family where I've been planted. Ask for help. I'm not coping. We are not coping. But we want to be faithful in raising up a next generation that will be God-fearing, that will walk righteously before God. And we don't want our children to hear this all the time. Establish an atmosphere in your family. Our children know if they are in the jobs, they have somewhere to come. I'm not going to interfere with their privacy. But they have a 
door that have mom and dad. We are four spirit-filled, um, you know, in, 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 on both sides. We are, we are blessed to have um, do, uh, sisters in love and brothers in love that really serve God. And it's so wonderful. My, my oldest son, he's 33, he found me a, a, a few months back crying one morning, six thirty. Mom, I'm not going to make it, I'm going to die. Son, what's up? What's happening? And he told me. And I seek God for him, for answer. And God spoke a clear, clear, clear answer to me. Not rejecting him, not telling him you're a weakling, not telling him men don't cry. And I said, son, I'm cooking for Sunday uh, a meal, then uh, um, lunch. I want you in, in my house, and I invited mom in love and dad, the father in love, and as a family, we took the insight that God gave us, and we warred on his behalf so that he can feel the family of God is real. Not looking down on him because he's, he's huge in stature, you know. You need to be a man. Cowboys don't cry. While our men are, are spiritually dying. Because they don't have a place to run to. I, want to. I want to ask you today. Get the peace of God back in families. And, and I don't know you. I don't know why God is giving me this word. All I can say, I beg you today. Run back to Jesus Establish a, the peace of God in your family and know God has planted you in a specific family, in the bigger family, so there can be an umbrella, there can be safety, there can be openness to ask for help. And I'm very sure you are doing that. Genuine faith is always accompanied by repentance. Easy to repent. God says he resists the proud. I'm not, I'm not one of those who seek to be resisted by God. I'm not. And I ask God, God, where am that stubborn pridefulness in my life? Show me. Because we can't see it. It's called pride for a reason. But if we humble ourselves in our personal worship time with God and open our hearts for the conviction of Holy Spirit, I'm very sure it's easier to discern when I I need to repent. Genuine faith is where you respect and love God to such an extent that you want to stay faithful in God's word and instructions. You find it the, the repentance one is, we know one of the bases is Hebrews 6 verse 1, but also in Acts 3, 19, in Romans 8, 2 to 9. Genuine faith is where you respect and love God to such an extent that you want to stay faithful to God's word and instruction. Timothy's mom and Omar, Eloise and Eunice, established a strength in him that Jesus desired when he returned one day he will find on earth and that is faith. Luke 18 8 says, will I find faith when the son of man returns? They didn't say anything else. Will I find faith? We need to establish faith in the next generation. A trust in God that I will know if God asks him to do something. God is faithful. I might fail, but God is faithful. His yes is yes. His no is no. He is the offer. He is the omega. He is the yes and amen. And our children need to know it even if they see the manifestation thereof in years to come. We are in a quick fix environment. We want to quick fix the government that we have neglected for ages. We want to change President Cyril Ramaphosa, who also come from a background where maybe there was an absent dad. 
We want to quick fix him. We want to quick fix and just in one second change government. But what we see, even in the previous regime, came from an undiscipled youth, an undiscipled people group. And they ended up in leadership positions without the spiritual, the mental, the emotional capacity that God wants in a leader to lead a nation in righteousness and justice. We are not going to change a government overnight. We as the church need to stand up and, and, and disciple the nations that God has placed around us. Seek out the broken souls. Go to the schools. Ask for open doors. And I know you do. That's why we are here. But I know this is a word from God. When God sent me into Roykopen and Mezen and Andrei, they visited the, the, the project. A broken part of our town. Crime stricken. Impoverished. We started the 36 street children. And the pastors discouraged me to go in there. It's too dangerous. It's too this. It's too that. Let me tell you, the faith of Timothy, that what was imparted by mom and grandma, is what we need to go into the unrich areas of our town and bring transformation that's being fueled by the fire that we flame in us, like Paul said to Timothy, fan the flame. Fan the flame, family of God. It will cost us. It's costly. Because our focus needs to shift. It's no longer Amanda, my, me, I, me, myself, or my shadow. But I need to shadow Jesus. That's what it means to be created according to his image and likeness. The word likeness, shadow. So Jesus, how do I shadow you? How do I get my, my mindset back and stayed on what you called me to do? How do I get my mindset that's become warped back and do what you asked me to do? And that is to disciple my own children as I disciple the Sunday school. And be the example to my own children the way I try to be to other Christians and, and the world. His faith is called genuine faith. It's a pure faith. It came from his Oma and his mother. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But as for you, continue in the things that you have learned, have been taught, and of which you are convinced, holding tightly to the truths, knowing from whom you learned them. That's what the word says. For verse 14 uh, in, in a different translation says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Spoke, speaking of, of Eloise and Eunice. And how wonderful will it be if we raise a new generation and one day the apostles of, of this world tell them, remember where you got your faith from. Because I can see it in your life. They can see that in your children and your children's children the effect of your faith. And for us in the church and where we are in this world, in our spiritual children as well. Because it's not only our blood, our own blood, God wants us to raise and disciple, but nations. And I just feel to end off 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And we, as we teach our children to love the word, to eat the word, 
taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the scripture. And we sit with him from very small. And we teach them the truth of the word. And we impart in them a love of the word. And they sit. I saw the, the, what is the young boy's name that was looking for his Bible this morning? Justin. Justin was very serious this morning. He needs his Bible. And his name is in front of his Bible. And he's opening the Bibles to make sure it's his Bible. And I was thinking about this. Maybe he wants to make notes in his Bible. He doesn't want to get in trouble making notes in somebody else's Bible. And it's so beautiful to see. He's not going to church without his Bible. Written, printed Bible. And this is what we need to really impart in the next generation. From before birth, we start to speak the word of God into that womb, the the lady who is pregnant now, I think. And I know you are mentored in this way because I know Shofar. Shofar has sound doctrine and sound counsel. But take the word of God and every day, morning or evening, you speak the truth of the word into that little spirit man. That's forever. That's an everlasting dimension of a child. And we establish the truth of the word in your child. So I'm not even going to look at the notes I made because God just took this. And we need to understand just the way that Louise and Eunice helped Timothy. We need to help the next generation. And leave a legacy that will bring glory to God. I will end off, off, uh, off with um, I stayed nearby this area and early this morning God reminded me of the dream I had and I think this is why he gave me the word last night. I stayed in a guest house me and my husband Barent, and I had the weirdest dream about girls being kidnapped and raped. I had a very, very vivid dream about child trafficking. It's just nearby here. And I want to pray for you that God will use you in prayer and action, like prayer walks, prayer drives, to open up the wickedness that's going on in this area concerning children. Your prayers move mountains. That's what God says. It's a given. So when we pray, mountains move. And we speak to that mountain. Your mountain of destruction raised up by Satan himself to destroy children's lives. In Jesus' name, move. You start to speak. And you get the heart of the Lord in you for the next generation, starting with your children. It will be shameful if we disciple everybody, but our own children must sing to hell because they're in front of iPads and stuff to keep them busy while I'm ministering. It's not the right thing. So God wants to use this family to disciple the next generation. In your home, but reach out to the broken ones that you notice. Ask the Lord. What we do now um, on national level, um, I, I lead a woman's prayer every Friday morning to pray for our nation, and I'm activating them to drive to the schools and to sit and just speak the word of God and speak healing and speak peace over schools because schools are filled with broken children, desperately and broken children that needs Jesus. So I want to pray for us. And I want to thank our Father, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity just to speak your heart. Just to share what you want for this congregation for this morning. And I pray, Lord, that, and I thank you that we know there's then no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is a pruning because you want fruit. There is loving correction because you want to see us rise up like eagles. 
You want to empower us to impact. You want to heal us to bring healing. You want to restore us so we can become the storers of the broken walls. And I pray that your healing power will just flow this morning into each and every one of our hearts, starting with me, Abba. Heal us where we still need healing. We want to really be carriers of the peace of the Lord, whole bound together by the love of Jesus, made into one new nation for God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, one heart, one mind, one goal, one purpose, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as in heaven. I pray that you use each and every one of us to reach out to the broken, to bring them into this family, Lord, where I've experienced so much love, so that I can experience true love. And Lord, like that elderly lady of 72 said to us this week, I've never in my life experienced love. Never, never believed I'm loved. But today I can say I am loved. I pray that not one person will come through this house walking away still feeling unloved. Not one child feel rejection. But that we as your love vessels will release what Jesus came for. For this purpose I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel even to the next town. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.